This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. All right. Good morning, Dr. History. How are you? Good morning, Zeb. Doing great. Doing great. Do you have any thank yous? I do. I want to say thanks to Jeff, who has emailed me off and on for quite a long time. Always has good suggestions. So, hi, Jeff, and thanks for the for the emails. I appreciate hearing Back from you. Back the microphone just up a little bit. How's yeah, that? Uh, okay. A little bit more. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That's good. Thank you. And then last week, we talked about Mary Draper Ingalls, the lady. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And uh, Bob uh, emailed me and told me uh, and helped me with some pronunciation. Oh. So, okay, Bob, I'm hoping I'm doing this. Here we go, Bob. This might set everybody back. Okay, the river is the Sciota. Sciota. Sciota River. And the city that I mentioned is the Chillicothe. Chillicothe? Chillicothe? Yeah. Chillicothe. Yeah, I, I've been there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I bailed you out on that one. Thanks, uh, okay. Zeb, and thanks, Bob. Okay. <laughs> and Brian, clear last January, made a suggestion, and I just plum forgot about it, and he reminded me again about a guy by the name of Harry Tracy, and Harry Tracy makes Jesse James looks like a, look like a Sunday school teacher. Are you serious? Harry Tracy, and that's who we're going to talk about, and this is one bad guy. Really? You're gonna, you're gonna in see. In the old west, yeah, 1892. Uh, he, in 1892, he was up uh, in Washington near Vancouver. Really, he was 15 year, years old, and he had a friend named David Merrill. Now keep that man, name in not mind because you said they had a law firm. You said no. Oh. <laughs> Pay attention, Zeb. (laughs) 15-year-old boys, Harry Tracy and David Merrill. Friends, okay, Okay. young boys. (laughs) So, uh, 15 years old, their first uh, crime consisted of stealing of three geese from a farmer living on the outskirts of Vancouver and selling them to a poultry market. (laughs) They were sentenced to serve 20 days in jail. Oh, my. This is the beginning, Zeb. Uh After being freed, they purchased some firearms and practiced almost daily at the Vancouver barracks when all of a sudden articles started disappearing from the barracks. Well, the army officers became uh, pretty suspicious that these two boys were the thieves and ordered them to keep away from the barracks. There you go. Now, here we go. After committing a few numerous petty offenses, Harry Tracy was arrested for housebreaking in Provo, Utah. Wow. On July 10th, 1897, he was sent to the state prison for one year. On October 8th of the same year, he and three other prisoners were working on a drain ditch outside of the prison walls Mm -hmm. where Tracy was able to get a pistol which a friend had planted there for him. Uh And with this weapon, he held up the guard and made his escape. Holy cow. And this kid was how old? Well, by now, uh, he was about... 
Oh, 22. 22. Yeah, okay. so a little older. He's matured. He's matured in, yeah. in, in the profession. Yeah. So he then joined Zeb, the notorious Robber's Roost Gang. Really? Yeah, which was operating in Colorado. And there was uh, Dave Lint, Pat Johnson, Dave Merrill, his friend that I mentioned in the beginning, and a guy named John Bennett. These were members. And the bad thing is they killed a boy named William Strang, and the citizens demanded the authorities get these guys and take care of them. Well, a posse was organized, and in 1898, they got the outlaws near Craig, Colorado. There was a desperate battle, during which several on each side was wounded. A deputy sheriff was killed. I mean, th- these were desperate guys. Hmm. Now, the outlaws made their escape, but on March 4th, a sheriff, Neiman, and a posse uh, in Colorado captured Lent, Harry Tracy, Johnson, and Bennett, and because the Strang boy was murdered just over the line in Wyoming, uh, Johnson was accused of the actual killing, and he was extradited, but was actually uh, acquitted because of insufficient evidence. You've got to be kidding that, me. You know, that doesn't make sense. No. But a mob seized one of the guys, Bennett, and lynched him. I see. They took care of him. I see. Okay, so here we go. Harry Tracy and Lent. Uh, they, like I said, they were in jail, but they escaped from jail. They were recaptured the next day, were then transferred to the more secure jail in Aspen, Colorado, and again escaped. You know, there was a lot of escapes back then. What were they kept in a cardboard box? You know, well, so like I say, Lent and Tracy escaped. Lent was never seen again by the authorities. Really? So Tracy joined his good friend, remember, Dave Merrill, David Merrill, and in December 1898, they returned to Portland, Oregon, where they soon had the citizens terrorized by their crimes that they committed. They didn't learn much. They didn't, but they were brazen. Yeah. I mean, they held up and robbed a streetcar. They burglarized uh, saloons and stores. In 1869, Merrill was arrested, and the next day, Tracy was arrested after a desperate gun battle. He would. This guy was never going to give up. Anyway, the pair was found guilty of robbery, and on March uh, 22, 1899, Tracy was committed to the Salem prison for 20 years and Merrill for 15 years. Now, you would think that would put him in there. You would think. Yeah. They were employed in the foundry in the prison, and at 7 a.m., June 9, 1902, they were marched in line with the other prisoners to their work. Now, it was the duty of guard Frank Gerard to count the prisoners marched in, and after doing so, Gerard announced to a guard named Frank Farrell that 159 prisoners were present, and Farrell, guard Farrell replied, All right. Just then, Gerard heard a rifle shot and turned in time to see Farrell, the guard, fall dead. Oh, my. Tracy had a gun. He then turned his rifle on Gerard and shot without hitting him, and Merrill, his friend, fired at the other shop guard. They had two guns, Zeb. Where'd they get them? Let me, I'll keep going here. Oh, okay. Okay, I think you'll, you'll see here. So they then ran from the building. And remember, there here's, what, 159 prisoners. So there's a bunch of guys around and not very many guards. So uh, they ran from the building and directed their attention to the fence guards where there was a guard named Jones, and he was guarding one corner of the stockade. They both fired at Jones, and he fell dead. Wow. So now there's, what, two guys dead, two Uh guards. Then there was a guard named Tiffany, and he emptied his rifle at the outlaws, but none of them hit. 
Okay, Tracy fired one shot at him, and he fell outside the wall with a wound in his chest. Oh, so here you got Marilyn Tracy running. Yeah, you've got this guard Tiffany that's been shot. Okay, well. Tracy and Merrill found a ladder, they scaled the wall, and they ran towards this uh, Tiffany that had been wounded, the guard that they shot. They helped him to his feet and used him as a shield until they got out of range of the other guards. Holy cow. And then disappeared into the timbers. Really? But now, <laughs> wait a minute, where did they get the guns? Um, they had they had gotten some sawed-off shotguns that were smuggled into the prison somehow. Oh my! The night goodness. before the break, really? Yeah. So somehow they, uh, you know, I, I guess things were pretty loose back then. There must, must have, been, have been, you know. So on the day following their escape, Tracy and Merrill entered Salem, Oregon, at 10 p.m. and they held up a man at the point of arrival and took his clothes. I knew that would get your attention. No, they no, did. No, no, no. <laughs> they then stole an overcoat and two horses and continued on their way north. Their next appearance was in the town of Gervis. Is it Gervis uh, in Oregon? Uh, 20 miles north of Salem. How do you spell it? G-E-R-V-A-I-S. Gervis, Gervis I Gervis, think. Yeah. Gervis. I think so. uh, anyway, where they demanded and stole food and held up two deputy sheriffs and took the clothes they needed from them. Learning that a posse was en route to Gervis or Jervis with bloodhounds, they returned towards Salem, and at night they entered the town and confronted a citizen. They took his clothes. Now, I know what you're going to ask. Why did they Were they opening up a Robert Hall <laughs> men's store or something, or what? The, the, okay, now this is actually kind of smart, Zeb. The object being to change clothes as often as possible. Yeah. So they, you know, they wouldn't be recognized. Right. So, anyway, so here we go. On early in June 13th, they broke through through a line of deputy sheriffs uh, near Jervis, and a few hours afterwards, they stopped at a farm, and they ordered the women folks to prepare a breakfast. Now, this is going to be a common theme, Zeb. On June 15th, the bandits stole a team from a guy named Randall near Oregon City, and on June 16th, they appeared at the farm of a guy named Holtgreave on the Columbia River and demanded dinner. Now, this guy always liked to eat, okay? So they had breakfast... And then they go to dinner. And then, well, this is the next day. Yeah. Then, then they had dinner. Yeah. Now, there were five men in the house at the time, and the convicts made them all get into a boat and row them across the Columbia River. They appeared at the cabin of a rancher named Reedy. They tied him up and gagged him, took his clothes, and left him lying on the ground. <clears throat> there were now, some chilly people up there. They were. <laughs> well, they didn't take all the clothes. I see. I, you know, I see. just coats and shirts. I see. You know, okay. okay. Now, from June 17th to July 2nd, they didn't hear much about these guys. But then uh, they entered the home of a guy named Horatio Alling, while another na- a man was present. Tracy told him who he was and ordered them to prepare a meal. Here we go. It's the, like going into McDonald's, I isn't know, it? You know, I, yeah. hey, here's what I want. Yeah. In the meantime, two more men came in. Well, so now you got four men, and he's ordered them to all stand facing the wall with their hands up while he's preparing his own breakfast. Then in comes a Captain Clark and his son. They come in the house. Now they're also leaning up against the wall with their hands up. There's so six people. Six guys. Yeah. yeah. Now while eating his breakfast, Tracy learned that Captain Clark had a boat. 
Uh-oh. Now, after eating, uh, he ordered all of them to accompany him to the boat. And on the way, he stated, now this is where it gets a little, little chilling, Zeb. He stated that he had killed his partner in crime, Merrill. Remember David yeah. Merrill, his friend from yeah, his age friend. 15? Good buddy. Because he showed evidence of a faint heart. He said they had agreed to fight a duel and that it was arranged that they should, that it, they should take place back to back. And at his signal, each should take st- uh, ten paces and turn and fire. At the eighth step, Tracy turned and killed Merrill by shooting him in the back. He cheated. Now, remember what I said about him being worse than yeah, Jesse James? No I mean, gosh. Anyway, well, when Tracy and his uh, companions reached this boat, he ordered them all into the boat. And they proceeded to a place near Seattle. And at this place, they he got a rope and tied up these guys, and uh, then he left. And that afternoon, uh, he was going along, and he encountered a posse near Seattle. <clears throat> now, he gained a, 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 a kind of an advantage uh, position, and he opened fire. He fired five shots, and he instantly killed the deputy sheriff. He then wounded others and escaped. No, wait a minute. He's one guy. One guy. And he takes on a posse. Yeah. He's not the brightest star in the sky. No, but look at the people he's killing, Zeb. Oh I mean, this is goodness. a... He has no conscience. Nothing. Yeah. So later in the day, Tracy met an old farmer who was driving a team along the outskirts of Seattle. He seized the team and then drove up to the residence of a Mrs. Van Horn and ordered her to cook a meal for him. Here we go again. Now, Mrs. Uh, now there was a butcher boy that called at her door, at the back door, okay? And Mrs. Van Horn whispered to the boy that Tracy was there, and the boy rushed back uh, and notified the sheriff. His name was Cudahy and also a policeman, okay? So these men, the sheriff and the policeman, uh, armed themselves and proceeded to Mrs. Van Horn's house. She took a big chance. She did, yeah, because this guy was... He, Nuts. He was, you know. So anyway, Tracy stepped out with the the old man on one side and another man on the on on the other side, and the officers didn't want to shoot because Tracy had a man on each side of him, and they didn't want to take the chance of oh, hitting sure, yeah. uh, one of these two men. Yeah. So the sheriff called out, "Quote Tracy, drop that gun!" And quick as a flash, Tracy fired. He shot two men. He killed the sheriff. With the next shot, he mortally wounded the the deputy. Holy! I mean, no. the, the the death count is mounting. You know, uh, he continued to use these men as shields until he could get to a place of safety, and then he disappeared. Now, let me ask you a question here: okay. Did he do all of his travels by horseback? I I don't know. You know, I you know after he got off the boat, I'm suspecting that he was on foot. Yeah, and but then he got that man with the wagon and probably you know rode in the wagon. So I don't know, horseback walking, however. Wow. You know? So now we get to July 5th. He enters the home of a Fisher family near Pontiac. And I guess that's in Washington. I'm I don't not know. sure. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they prepared his breakfast. Here we go again. <laughs> uh, 
the bandit then pers- me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> he then proceeded to the home of a farmer named John Johnson, requested Mrs. Johnson to prepare his breakfast. Okay. <laughs> this is becoming it, an old theme. It is. It, it is. Well, by now a posse was organized, and uh, because uh, you know his. The reputation was getting around. I'm surprised he got away this long. R- really, me too. You know, one man. But, yeah. you know. So then in 1902, August 6th, they proceeded to a place called the Eddie Ranch where they saw a man, Tracy, come out of a shed. And they suspected that it was Tracy, but they weren't sure. And so they didn't start shooting at him because they weren't really sure uh, uh, that that was him. Well, pretty soon, uh, Tracy was just kind of helping out on the farm, uh, I guess, being a... He actually was helping Yeah, he was kind of working on this Eddie farm. Well, um, the posse was surrounding him, okay? They appeared in full view. They commanded the outlaw to surrender. But instead of obeying the command, Here we go. Tracy used uh, Mr. Eddie and one of the horses as a shield until he reached the barn, and that's where his rifle was hidden. Uh, he then slipped out of the side door and ran into a wheat field. Now, so he's laying out in this tall wheat field, Zeb, and every time the wheat would move, the posse would fire into the wheat field. They couldn't see him. But they would shoot into the wheat field. Well, finally, Tracy fired one shot, and then there was nothing. He was silent. That was it. Now, shortly after this, Sheriff Gardner of Lincoln County appeared on the scene with his son. And after a conference, it was decided not to venture into the field that night. Um, So they surrounded this wheat field. So Tracy's in the wheat field. They know they've got him in there somewhere. So they surrounded it and stayed all night until the following morning. They made their way through the grain and found that Tracy had actually shot himself. Really? Yeah. So they inspected the body and showed that one of his legs had been shattered by two rifle balls uh, fired by the posse. So he'd been hit. Okay. He attempted to stop the flow of blood with a bandage, but... He realized that, you know, he wasn't going anywhere, and he realized that it was hopeless, uh, further combat with the posse, and so he made good on his boast that he would never be taken alive. Holy smokes. And that's the end. How old was he then? Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to say into his 20s, you know, but not that old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, let's see. He was born in 1892, and this was 1902. Oh, no, that can't be right. No, that's not right. That can't be right. No. Let me see. Oh, well, he was 15 years old in 1892. Oh, okay. So now he's about mid-20s. In his early 20s. Yeah. He did all that in his 20s? Yeah. So they took his body back to the Salem prison for the double purpose of having it officially identified. And they did this to also demonstrate to the other convicts. Don't do this. Who looked up to Tracy as a hero. Yeah. You know, well, look at all the times he escaped. I mean, these other convicts are thinking, man, this guy, he's our hero. Yeah. And they kind of said, you know, don't try to follow in his footsteps. But there had been a reward for Tracy, dead or alive, for $4,100 in 1902. Really? So, you know, that was a lot of money. A lot of money then. Yeah, back back then. Yeah. So probably worth at least he was a bad man. I mean, to shoot his own friend yeah. from in the back. 
You know, what about his childhood? Does it say anything about his parents you know, or anything? It, it really doesn't. It just says that they lived uh, in 1892 at 15, lived in the town of Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. Uh, it does say that his conduct was actually pretty good uh, for a while until he met his friend Merrill. And immediately afterwards, he kind of changed and kind of went step by step. He waded into crime. And at first, they thought Merrill was the mastermind. Yeah. But really, Tracy was a pretty good student. We've got a caller with a quick question or comment. Go ahead, caller, please. Yeah. Hey, what a great episode. The Tracy story is one that's missed by most people. Uh, my dad had a book. I read this story when I was probably 15 or 16, uh, but there and read it many times. There's a couple details that are in the book that, that I know you would appreciate, Doctor Turner. Um, uh, when when Tracy killed Merrill, uh, in this book, uh, Mer- Trace, they uh, believe that Tracy was suspicious of Merrill because they got different sentences for the same crime when they went to prison in Salem, and Tracy believed that, or it was alleged that Tracy believed that Merrill uh, uh, turned state's evidence on ah. him, and there's evidence to support that. Hey, appreciate so that. Part of the reason he killed Merrill when he had the opportunity, because he was torqued off about the differences in their sentencing. Well, that makes sense. Well, so that's uh, interesting. The other one is that when they finally cornered Tracy, and Tracy, by the way, was a crack shot. He didn't miss. And uh, uh, anyway, Tracy uh, uh, missed a young man, and nobody could understand how I missed somebody in open. The posse couldn't understand how this victim got missed. And But when they found his body, they noticed he had hit the front side of his gun on something. And so they believed that his gun was off, and that's why that last intended victim survived. Sir, I appreciate it. I'm out of time, but thank you for your call. Yes. That adds a lot of credence to what we're talking about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, that yes. i got to run. I'm running late right now, Doc, but that was a very interesting story, and it all took place up in up Washington. Washington, Oregon, yeah. 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 Excellent job. Never heard of the guy that much. Excellent job. Yeah. Harry Tracy. Yeah. Bad dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Zeb, you always ask about his family. I don't think he had a, a, any, I don't think he got married and had any family. No, I don't think there was any relatives that would want to lay claim to that name. There you go. God bless you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.